like a little interview, get to know you, kind of everything. Yep. Is that good? That sounds good. Is that great. working? Yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds like it is. Awesome. Oh, good. Thanks. Um, this is Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hi, guys. Wow, that was great. Um, do you have, what's your full name? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's Matthew Bunshin Ui. Uh, yeah, you can imagine what it's like growing up with the middle initials BS. Um, and also uh, a last name with only vowels. So, yeah, it, it, it's something that's always confused people. But if you think of the French for yes, and then put a bit more of an ooh on the start. It's ooh. So, yeah. so what, what background is that, man? Uh, that's Malaysian Chinese. Okay. Yeah. Right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a very good-looking man, and you're here with a little man over here. Thanks, Shops. Hey, no worries. Pleasure. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm. Um, I don't know what to say now. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually quite quite flattered by that. Thank That's you. Okay. Now, um, uh, so my name's Matt. I was a physio for about ten years, and then uh, became a minister uh, for the past five years. And then I've also just uh, started work with Rice. Uh, you might remember, many of you remember Steve Chong? Yeah. I yeah, think everyone yeah. remembers That's Steve. Good. Yeah, I know. You can't forget him, can you? <laughs> but um, uh, as you know, he had started Rice. And uh, when we last came here, I actually tagged along. And we, we, I managed to, to meet some of you here. So it's, it's really good to be back. But uh, uh, since then, I'm also uh, the director for Rice in Melbourne. Uh, so that's a wonderful thing. Uh, we'll just go back one picture. That's a picture of my family there. Uh, so that's uh, my wife, Rebecca. That's Samuel and Leah. Uh, I, I do like to do one thing, Shubs. Can I? Go, go yeah, yeah, cool. You, you mean um, you're speaking time, so yeah. you. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. All right, I won't take too long. Um, uh, just, just let me know. Uh, it, it's just a thing that I tend to just have a bit of a survey. Uh, have a look at me there on the screen. Have a look at me now. And if you think I look older now, put up your hand. If you think I look older there, put up your hand. Yeah, cool. It's definitely the hair. So thank you. I am keeping the hair. Thank you. (laughs) That's all I needed to know. That's awesome. Now, wait, tell us a little bit about Rice. There's a video that, did you want to show that now or do you want to show that at all? Um, Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, we'll show that. one of the things that I really wanted to do in coming here to Campbell Gardens is to update you and to let you know how Rice has been going. I'm that sort of, I guess, representative. He said Canterbury Gardens, not Campbell. I'm just I, interpreting. I did say Canterbury, Campbell. didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's okay. Fine. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay. All right, we're okay. To give you an update as to how those ministries are going, because often, and I've got some personal circumstances as well, but often what can happen is we end up looking at at our little kind of borough of the world. And so what I wanted to do is take this opportunity to just help us to lift our eyes a little bit to see what God's been doing. Uh, and it's an amazing thing. Now, with the video itself, I just want you, you know, sometimes the, the music or the, the kind of scene might not be exactly the way that you would do things, uh, which, which is totally normal. But what I want you to see is the age of the people, not only that are on the stage, but those who are responding to Jesus. Uh, so please, uh, yeah, let's enjoy the, the video. Praise God, huh? Yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, before, when we came here, we were just thinking, let's, let's hope something happens in Auckland. And, and God just moved in a massive way. And not only in Auckland, but the next day in Melbourne and the next day in Sydney. And it's happening in Perth this year as well. I've just come back from Perth. And man, Perth is on fire, let me tell you. They are just so desperate to see their people saved. And seeing what God's been doing in the past three cities, 
I would doubt if I hadn't seen it before myself, but I'm here to witness to you that God is moving. He is moving in a big, big way. And it's not just rice. Uh, you saw the Graham rallies before. Uh, so many other movements are actually coming together and things are happening. God's kingdom is expanding before our very eyes. I'll stop there, otherwise I'll keep going. Okay. Um, bro, that's really yeah. exciting. I'm going to invite John, who's going to read mm. to us uh, the passage before we hear from you. Maybe. Great. So, Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. We're reading about a wedding today, and I know that in America, particularly, we've got a wedding happening there just shortly with Nicola. They throw rice at weddings, which is interesting, which makes me think, I wonder, in Asia, if they throw hamburgers, does it work like Maybe, maybe not, not quite sure. Anyway, so we're going to turn our attention. <laughs> Let's read from chapter 2 in John. And yes, we are at a wedding, the wedding of Cana. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they did fill them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This the first of the signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and with his disciples and they stayed there for a few days. I want to say a big thank you. Uh, for having me here to share God's word with you. It is always a privilege to be able to bring you God's word. Now, I have to say, though, this is a tricky passage. Uh, So if there are any questions that come up, please ask your pastors afterwards. (laughs) Um, No, it is a tricky passage because uh, not only are there things like uh, alcohol being raised, which is an issue today, there are other sorts of controversial things, like whether or not uh, this is Jesus' wedding. Or as Mary is is kind of instructing Jesus what to do, whether this kind of venerates Mary. Um, This is a first miracle, but it's it's a very odd one. It's not a healing miracle. It's not a calming of the storm miracle. It's turning water into wine. It it just seems odd. And so I think what happens often, and, and maybe it's happened through history as well, is we end up confusing what this passage is about. So I want to keep the goal in mind right now as we start. The goal of this passage is to help us to know Jesus more intimately, to help us to believe in Jesus. And not just the kind of, you know, Jesus that that we might have in our minds, but an, an intimate picture of Jesus. That's the goal for today. Are you ready, church? Yeah? All right, let's go. So, in the first few passages, uh, verses 1 to 5, 
You can see there what it says. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana. Now, Jesus was invited to the wedding with his disciples, but the wine ran out. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And Mary says, do whatever he tells you. I always wonder if this passage was a little bit of banter between Mary and Jesus. Uh, You can kind of pick it up from the tone there. I mean, firstly, that's something that my mother would never tell anyone else. Do whatever he tells you, right? Mothers are usually saying, Matthew, don't do this, don't do that, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. Not, you know, do whatever he tells you. And also, it's that odd thing that Jesus says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I wonder what it was like growing up with Jesus. Because it seems that Mary knows that Jesus can do something here. You know, the other day we ran out of milk. And I wonder if, if Jesus was our son, would we go to Jesus, you know, hey, Jesus, kind of out of milk. The shop's really far away. Can you, do, do you mind just, you know, just kind of, I'll pour some water in and we'll see what happens. Or again, we're out of bread, you know. Let's, uh, you know that thing that, that you do where you tear it and it just keeps happening again and again. Can you do that thing again? I wonder what it was like growing up with Jesus. But what we do get here is, is actually a very, I think, tender picture of what it is, the relationship between Mary and her son. Mary, by this stage, was a single mother. Jesus was her, only, uh, her oldest son. Now, there were others, but Mary turned to Jesus, relying on him. It's actually a beautiful picture, I think, of the way that they would have interacted. And that term there, I think the word that says there, woman, doesn't quite communicate the same way that it does for us in English. It would be more something like ma'am, or it's a very respectful kind of tone. And so when Mary's in trouble, she goes to Jesus for help. And that's the first point that I want us to get for today, is that Jesus, for for all of his power, for all of his glory, for those around him, he was a son, a friend, someone that they could turn to when times weren't looking as good as they could. Least of all, at a party when you've run out of the wine. Now, if we look at verses 6 to 8 then, this is where it gets interesting. And when I say interesting, I mean kind of weird. Uh, so this is where things kind of get misinterpreted. So there are six stone jars, which, as we know, this number six is less than complete, so it's seven. And Jesus turns that water into wine. And the steward tells the bridegroom that this wine is actually even better than the first one. So those are the three things that I want you to keep in mind. That there are six jars, Jesus turns the water into wine, and the steward calls to the bridegroom. Now, with the jars, one of the things that we need to know about those jars is that they were used for purification. Right? They were supposed to be ritually purified water that they drew. And what does Jesus do to those waters that are supposed to make things pure? He makes them better. 
So that's the first thing we need to understand, that what Jesus is showing us is that he makes things better. And the second thing then, he turns the water into wine. Not only does he make things better, but it's not through water, it's through wine. Which I'm so glad that we share communion today, because it's that water turned into wine. It's representative of his blood. As I said, you can see where this thing can kind of get a little bit weird because there's all sorts of ways you can interpret it. But remember, Jesus makes things better by his blood and then the steward calls to the bridegroom. Now, it's the bridegroom notice, so it's not Jesus. It's not actually Jesus' wedding. And says, everyone serves the good wine first, but you have kept the good wine until now. So you see, the whole point of this passage then is not so much of all of those other things that can get confused, but very simply, that Jesus will purify us by his blood to make us better. It's pretty simple, really, when you look at it. Now, as we know, this is taken as the first sign. This is the first sign that Jesus does. And it says there, continuing on, in verse 11. Jesus did this at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. Those are the purpose of the signs. Those are the purpose of what Jesus does in, in the rest of the Gospels as well, and all of the other signs as well. The disciples believed. I wonder sometimes how do you go when the situation that you're in turns bad? Sometimes we can take that as a sign. Maybe God isn't with us. Maybe, just maybe, God is being silent in all of this time. But then when things are going well, and we know that God is actually doing things, when, we, when you see miracle after miracle of people being saved, or, or whatever it is, your prayer has been answered, then we go, yes, yes, Jesus is here, and we celebrate. But then the very next time when something else happens in our lives... We go right back to where we were and just wonder, is God real? Did Jesus really die? Does does being a Christian actually make my life better? And so what can happen is we get pulled about by our circumstances. My friends, I'm here to tell you today even after all of the amazing signs that I've seen, I keep this firmly in my mind. Don't focus on the signs. Don't focus on the signs. Focus on our Savior. Don't focus on the signs. Focus on our Savior. There are times that it is like this amazing wedding banquet, isn't it? Weddings are a beautiful time where I remember our wedding. I just couldn't get that. My face was actually so 
tired from just smiling. Have you ever been in that situation? It, you, like your cheeks, you, don't, you can't even feel your face anymore <laughs> because you're just so joyful and so overwhelmed and so thankful that God is there. And so on our wedding day, I couldn't even feel my face. It was just numb. I, I look in the pictures and just, I'm just glad it, it did look happy and joyful because it was. It was a wonderful time. And that's often what happens during, uh, with good signs in our life. But there are also other times when we're following Jesus and when we don't see any of these signs. Don't get me wrong again. There are signs and good times. But there are also bad times. One of the things um, I didn't quite get a chance to share is, uh, so uh, some may know, I think, from the video as well that was shared on the website. Uh, So my wife, uh, Rebecca, was diagnosed with cancer about eight months ago now. Uh, It it was a fairly advanced cancer. It was stage three cancer, which means that it spread to lymph nodes. Uh, Not only was there a big lump, uh, but it had spread to her lymph nodes as well. And I remember, I remember thinking... God, what is happening? Now, I I didn't question uh, God's uh, goodness in all of this, but I just wondered, God, why is this happening right now? How could you possibly bring something good out of all the things that are happening right now? It didn't take me very long to get an answer, though. You see, just before we knew uh, when, what the diagnosis was, whether it was actually going to be a stage 4 cancer which um, means it spread to the rest of the body her life expectancy would have dropped from 80% down to 20% at 5 years and I remember I I had to get up and it was the event just before rice to get people fired up and focused on Jesus and telling the gospel and I had just this one thought the first thought that came to my mind it wasn't whether I might lose my wife it wasn't whether I might have to raise the kids without their mother my first thought my first thought was I thank you Jesus that she knows you because you see in, in, in the power of the gospel things can be changed things are made so much better they can be entirely redeemed by Jesus' blood Outside of the gospel, the best hope you can have during cancer is a cure for yourself. That's outside of the gospel. But inside of the gospel, with Jesus Christ, the best hope you can hope for is that not only you are saved, but those around you might be transformed by that testimony. And I can tell you, Sometimes there were some days where honestly you'd look at my wife and I and you'd think I was the one who was sick because her faith was just so strong. Her faith has been transformative in in, uh, those who are the rice interns and those that have come across. Her faith that Jesus did not have this thing that has happened to us be a thing of chance, but that it might be a testimony a transformative, a a miracle even. I mean, what is the greater miracle? That that, uh, 
water would turn into wine or that somebody would be able, a cripple would be able to walk or that a heart's changed. God is working in our lives each and every moment. And we have in us the greatest sign, the greatest miracle that could ever happen. Now, I don't want you to wait for a a sign to come along like water turning into wine. That's not something we have to wait for. You actually just partook of the greatest miracle that has ever happened in the history of the world. That sinners like us would be saved. That those who are with entire guilt and are not worthy in any way, shape, or form to be before a holy God might be washed clean, totally clean, not just with water that comes from jars, but by the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the miracle that is in us. That is the sign that has been given to you that you can witness. Whether you're in a wedding season in your life, or whether you're in a dry season in your life. Whatever those circumstances, it's not the context that changes who we are. Because that's the temptation. Because another tragedy will come. And then there will be another highlight and another low light. It's not the context that we're in that changes us. It is Christ that changes us. Do you believe that, church? Yeah. It is Christ who changes us and transforms us. And Jesus promises us that all of those who put their faith in him will not be put to shame. Believe that Jesus is real. Believe that his spirit in you has transformed you. And you will see more signs and wonders. You will see more hearts changed. Might um, ask the muses to just come back back up and and, uh, just play a little bit in the background as we're going. As we draw this sermon to a close, there are many hard things that I'm sure are going on in your lives. Many things that would otherwise be the sign that perhaps you think Jesus isn't working. But what I want you to have, just firmly, if you take nothing else from today, just remember that intimacy that Jesus has with his mother. Remember the closeness that he has with his disciples walking with them. Remember that Jesus does make your life better. Not because of the circumstances that you're in, but because he has changed you. And I'd like you to see those things transform your life just slowly. Just with that little bit more boldness. A little bit more courage. 
I just want to end on, on a, a high note, which was my highlight from Perth. I went into Perth knowing absolutely no one. But what I came away with just, just blows me away that I've got so many good brothers and sisters there. People just like you. One of the reasons I was so eager to come back to Camberwell, uh, Canterbury Gardens. Sorry, there is a Camberwell Gardens which is just down the road from us. <laughs> Canterbury Gardens. Is, it was actually here that a kingdom-hearted person and I don't know their circumstances, but uh, they decided that they wanted to support rice in Melbourne. And not only had they supported rice in Melbourne, in lifting us up, and I, I can't even tell you the circumstances we were in, which that lifted us up from. But it's, it's gone and it's multiplied 30, 60, and 100 fold, right to Perth, all the way from Auckland, all the way over to Perth. And right now, God is moving in the people of Perth. Because I'm here to tell you, not only is Perth fully funded, which, which a year ago in Melbourne, we didn't even have funds, but Perth is now fully funded. But there are leader after leader, church after church, people that are, have been, haven't talked to each other for 10 years that came together because God was able to use that kingdom-hearted faithfulness, just that tiny little seed and we see that, and I was talking to someone, and this was my highlight. I often meet many churches and many pastors, and um, usually if the conversation goes like, oh, Matt, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, can we have a coffee later? Usually I'm like, oh, here we go. They've got another thing that, they, that, that they're concerned about, and they're, you know, I'm going to have to explain it all over again. And so I met up with this person, and we sat down, and I was all ready to give all of the explanations of what rice is about. But you know what they did? They decided to bless not just rice, but, but Perth. And they said, oh, I, I know you guys are here and you're staying with others. Uh, we actually run an, uh, a couple of Airbnb places. Would you like to stay there? I thought, wow, that's great. Thank you. But then they said, oh, I know you've been having to get around. People have been driving around. Would you like a car as well? This is something that we've set aside just for ministers to use. Would you like that car? I thought, wow, that's amazing. But then again, they said, actually, that's not all that we do. We, we want to see God's kingdom move further. And I have contacts in India and in the Philippines. We'd like to see rice go there. Would you like some contacts there? And at this stage, my mind was just like, this is amazing. Like, it's not just 30 or 60 or 100 fold. We could be moving to different countries. And just to top it off, she said, look, um, I've also got a check. And it's not about money in any way, shape or form. But I, I, I almost didn't dare to look at the figures at this stage. But... I looked at the name and then I just kind of glanced at the figures. And there there were five figures sitting in front of me. And I, I, just, I just could not believe what I was seeing. Miracle after miracle. Time after time. God has been providing for his kingdom. And I want you to go out in boldness, knowing that you are part of that kingdom. You are part of something that God is doing. 
You helped to seed that in Melbourne. And I'd love to see you uh, get involved in, in whatever way, shape, or form that you can. With the youth, uh, we've, you saw on the stage, it's, it's, it's all youth that are on the stage. I'd love to see you guys up there as well. doesn't matter what skills you have. If it's to be an advisor, uh, many of you might know a little bit. Uh, hands up if you were at the Billy Graham e either this time or when it was in 1959. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, you remember those times, don't you? Amazing miracles. Those times are happening again. If you want to be an advisor there, we'd love to have you. We need experienced Christians to explain the gospel. There is, there's actually more need in this kingdom than we have space for. That's how much is happening right now, right here in Melbourne. It, it's hard to look beyond our circumstances. It's hard to look beyond the signs that we see in front of us. But I'm here telling you that those miracles are happening. Lift your eyes up and see what Jesus is doing. He is purifying his people. He is bringing them to him. And I just, I'd love to call to response for you to do whatever it is that you know you can do for his kingdom together. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, there are so many signs and wonders. And this one just being the first one, bringing that purification bringing that first miracle Lord it is an amazing thing that you did there but even more amazing again that time after time there is silence but then there are the times when you have appointed for signs and wonders to happen and Lord I pray that we might be encouraged by that that we might know that Jesus is looking to more than just our circumstances but that his kingdom is growing. We've seen the signs of that, Lord. I pray that we might respond in belief and we might respond in action. I pray that we can do those things for Jesus' glory. Amen.